Turn with me this morning to a couple of openings. Second Peter 3. And we'll also go to Second Timothy 2. You can find both of those places if you would. Second Peter 3. Second Timothy 2. In Second Peter 3. And uh, 16. He said, as also in all his epistles, talking about Paul, Paul's letters, speaking in them of these things. Now, now here's the Holy Spirit through Peter talking about Paul's letters that he wrote to the church. He said some of these things in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures Unto their own destruction. You know it's not a good idea to wrestle with the scriptures. Because you're going to wind up losing. Right? Can you see that? They're wrestling with the scriptures. And they do it to their own destruction. You therefore beloved seeing you know these things before. Beware lest you also being led away. With the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. He's talking about people who were steadfast. But you get to listening to the wrong things. And listen to people argue and fuss about the scriptures. You can be removed from being settled. Now you're wondering about it. Now you're not sure. And if you're not sure. You can't have faith. Faith is like Abraham. Fully persuaded. And you listen to people arguing and fussing and wrestling about this. Well, maybe it means this and maybe it means that. And so and so said this and so and so said that. You must watch what you listen to. Cautious about what you let people put into your ear. Because it can cause you to fall from your own steadfastness. Verse 18. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forevermore. Amen. In 2 Timothy, the second chapter, you'll see a a similar thing. 2 Timothy 2 and 15. What does it say? Study. Study. Study to show yourself approved unto God. A workman that needs not to be ashamed. Rightly Dividing the word of truth. Uh, We saw in that previous passage. People that are unlearned and unstable. Wrestle with the scriptures. And here he said. That the word must be rightly divided. How do you rightly divide a scripture? With other scriptures. Where do you find the answer. To Bible questions. In the Bible. Now I know that sounds simple. But examine it and see. People get off. Oh they get off over and over again. Because they're wandering around. And and this philosopher said that. And and this uh, archaeologist said that. And this one said that. And the other. And. And they're, when you see somebody that's just full of questions, people think it shows it's a sign of intelligence because they have so many questions. Well, no, when you're full of questions, it means you don't know. 
You need to be full of answers. And so people that are unlearned and unstable. Say that out loud. Unlearned. And unstable. What do they do? They wrestle with the scriptures. It results in their own destruction. And if others listen to them, even though they were stable and steadfast, they become no longer steadfast. Now they're wavering. Now they're wondering. He said, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings. What are you supposed to do with them? Shun them. When's the last time you shunned something? (laughs) That's a long time. (laughs) Well, you need to be ready to shun some stuff. People start talking about this and talking about this. You need to have your shunner alert go off. They go, man, it's time to shun this. Right? (laughs) Uh, Shun it because it'll increase unto more ungodliness. Their word will eat as doth a canker. That's a cancer. Are there words that'll get inside people and eat on them like a cancer? Teachings that are wrong questionings, wranglings that'll get inside people and chew on them. He said, he mentioned two individuals, their teachings, he said, were like this. Hymenaeus was teaching some stuff and Philetus was teaching some stuff. And he said their words were like cancers in people. And verse 18, he said, concerning the truth, they have erred. They've got off of the truth and away from the truth. And they are saying, one of the things they're teaching is that the resurrection has already happened. It's already passed. Well, they were uh, eschatologists. <laughs> oh, that went over big, didn't it? <laughs> Weren't they? So they're teaching on the end times. And this is their position that this has already happened. And uh, uh, the Spirit of God, uh, through Paul, called their teachings spiritual cancers. And he said it was overthrowing the faith of some. That means they had faith until they heard this. And their faith was overthrown. They were steadfast. But then they they heard these guys wrestling with the scriptures that they didn't understand. And these guys that were teaching it were unlearned and unstable. Just because you're ignorant unlearned, confused, and unstable will not keep you from teaching the Bible. (laughs) Why are we talking about all this? Well, we began, it's been, what, a couple of weeks or so ago now, on a series about healing questions. Questions about healing. And the reason I get into this is because there are a number of things that have been taught by the major denominations of the world that have been taught by some of the most respected Bible teachers and scholars around that absolutely confuse people about healing and rob them of their faith to be healed. And so we're getting into them from the Word because I want you To be rock solid. Come on now. 
Not confused by what anybody might say. And if somebody asks you a question, will you believe in healing? I sure do. Well, what about so-and-so? I want you to know about so-and-so. And not be easily tripped up. So we're at, we're dealing with issues about does God make people sick? We dealt with that in some detail on our, our, our past session. And if you weren't here, let me encourage you to get it. Uh, you can download it for free off the internet. If you're in the building, you can go back at the Word Supply and get you a CD or a DVD. No charge. No, no charge means no excuse. And, 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 we're not per se teaching on God's will to heal. We already have done that for many hours. Put up that little list that I gave y'all earlier uh, on the series. Uh, here is just a, a brief uh, list of some of the things that we've taught on healing. Some of them in the church, some of them in other places. If you don't have this, let me encourage you to get this because really... Uh, what we're talking about now is not emphasizing giving you faith to be healed. It's helping you not to be confused by these questions. Right. These things will put faith in you yes, to be healed. And there are many, many hours of this by stripes, receiving and ministering healing, God's will to heal. You see them. And every one of these are available uh, at no charge. Back in the back, download them off the internet. Uh, I, I assure you, if you listen to all this, <laughs> honestly, and get down with your Bible and go to every verse, you know, I don't see how you could come away and not be convinced that it's God's will for you to be healed today. You. Now. And if you're wondering about that, got questions about it, please take advantage of these things and, and get your faith. How does faith come? Does anybody know? Tell me how faith Faith comes by hearing, hearing the anointed word. Uh, we talked about the first area was, does God make people sick? And I'm not going to uh, go over that again as it takes a lot of time, but, but we, what we saw is judgment. And we saw numerous places that said, God shall smite, God will strike, and what we understood from other scripture, even though we saw him say that, we saw him say sometimes in the same chapter, he would, he said, I'm going to do it. And then he said, I won't allow the destroyer. So what we understand is that God passes judgment that allows the destroyer access. That's what's happening in those phrases. What you must also understand is it is not his will. And it does not please him. Now many have. Just what we talked about. Many have wrestled with these kind of scriptures. Being unlearned and unstable. And come up with all kind of unscriptural doctrines. But I'm telling you. God is good. I said he's good. And he is the healer. And his will for you is healing. Healing. Deliverance. Being blessed, your needs being met. How many know it's God's will for everybody on the planet to be saved? Every, everybody. Is it? People might say, well, if it's His will, then they will be. Nuh-uh. No. They have a choice. They have a will. Well, the same thing is true about healing. It's God's will for everybody to be healed. Does that mean everybody will be healed? No. It's God's will for everybody to be free. Everybody to have their needs met. Everybody to be filled with the Spirit. Everybody to find and do his perfect will and plan for their life. So will everybody do it? No. But it's still his will. 
Doesn't change that. So we talked about that. Does God make people sick? Let's go on to another one that is, uh, has robbed a lot of people of their faith. And it's this misunderstanding about Job. What about Job? <laughs> what about Job? I heard a fellow one time uh, sharing. He had a powerful ministry as an evangelist. Especially in other countries outside the U.S. Had some some huge meetings and, and many, many people uh, give their life to the Lord and get healed. And he said this. He said, if I can get to a group of people that have never heard anything, nothing about God, nothing about Jesus, nothing, good or bad, pro or con. And I tell them that Jesus is real and that he bore their sins. And I tell them in the same sermon, he took their sicknesses. Amen. They don't know any different than just to believe both of them. And so they come forward and they get saved and healed. Same time. He said, it's amazing. They just get healed when they get saved. (laughs) He said, but if somebody's already been there ahead of him and told them about Job's boils and Paul's thorn, hmm, then you got your work cut out for you. We'll see what had happened. Their faith had been prevented. Or if they ever had any, overthrown. Because of this uh, wrestling and twisting of the scriptures of people who didn't know what they were talking about. So what about Job? Have you ever read Job? What's 42 chapters? Have you ever read Job? I've read Job a number of times. <laughs> And uh, years ago, as as a boy, I read Job. Now, that's interesting selection. But I did. I, I was prompted to. And uh, uh, I, I had some real issues with uh, poison oak and ivy for a little while in my childhood. And you, said, you know, whelps and, and, and the kind of thing that can come with that. And I knew Job had some problems with his skin. So I'd read about him and didn't know any better, but I thought, well, yeah, poor old Job, me and him <laughs> got some problems here, but the Lord healed him, didn't he? Yes. He healed me too. Thank you, Lord. Amen. And uh, folk talk about a poor old Job and the truth is he was the richest man in the whole area. And when God restored him, he gave him twice as much as what he lost. So what's this poor old Job? Here's some some goofy phrases. Poor as Job's turkey. I've heard people talk about that. You church people, you think, what? I I was watching a talk show one time, internationally known uh, news talk show. If I call the name of it, most all of you would know it. And, and this fellow was talking about with the uh, uh, interviewer, uh, a preacher that had two Lexus cars and how awful it was. And, and, and this guy said, yeah, he said, you know, like the Bible says, these preachers are supposed to lay down with the lepers. 
And the other two people that were sitting at the counter said, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Lay down with the lepers. Now, I've never seen anything like that in the Bible I carry. How about y'all? But these other folk, folk didn't know enough. They went right along with it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. These people are both unlearned and unstable. And you do not need to let people like this tell you what to believe and how to live and who God is and what his will is. Too many people are letting the world that don't even claim to serve God tell them how to serve God and how not to. Well, that's us being removed from our own, our own steadfastness. Somebody say, not me. No, you're going to be rooted and grounded, settled in him. Right? You want to talk about Job some? Are you ready? You don't seem too excited about it. Well, some things you need to know, whether you're excited about it or not. Right? Some things you just need to know. Uh... Go with me, if you would, to Job, the uh, third chapter. The Bible tells us that Job was a, a righteous man. He was a perfect man, the Bible said. Now, you, you should not understand this to mean that Job never missed it. I think you know that there's no human being alive that's lived got into adulthood and never missed it. And is perfect in the sense of having never missed it except for one. The master. Right? The Lord Jesus. So no, Job had missed it plenty of times. In fact, there's record of him missing it in this book. And he repents at the end of the book for missing it. Doesn't he? So you don't want to think that. But the Bible tells us that the devil came and accused Job, didn't he? And Revelation tells us that that's what the devil is. He didn't just do it a time or two. He is the accuser of the brethren. And you know what he'll do? He'll accuse you. He will endeavor to accuse you to God. He'll endeavor to accuse you to yourself. He'll endeavor to accuse you to others. And he'll also tempt you to accuse God. And he will tempt you to accuse yourself. He will tempt you to accuse others. And he's very good at it. He's very sly. Most of the time he's doing it. People are not even aware he's involved. And that's his favorite thing. Yes. That people don't even know he's involved. Wow. Make up your mind. That you're not going to be an accuser. Hmm? You're not going to accuse people of things. Yes. Everybody awake in here. Yes. Are you listening now? Make up your mind. Say it out loud. I'm not an accuser. I'm not an accuser. You don't want to be like the devil, do you? He's the accuser. Love is ever ready to believe the best. 
Right? I mean, you walk in love like you're supposed to, like you should. People will think you're naive. And if you if you don't have a problem with pride, you won't care. Hmm? Pride has to let everybody know. You can't pull the wool over my eyes. I saw you coming. I know what you're doing. But love and humility is secure enough to not even say anything about it. You know, if you walk in love like you ought to, somebody come slap you on the face. You'll look down at the ground and go, hey, did you trip over something? Did you trip over something and your hand fell across my face? (laughs) Instead of immediately going into the accusative mode going, you rascal, I knew you'd been wanting to slap me for a long time, hadn't you? I saw that look in your eye. I could tell. That is the accuser of the brethren. Always suspicious. are, Are you listening to me, friends? Always looking for the bad and the negative and ready to believe the bad and the negative. That's the nature of the devil. He's the accuser. And he has accused you to yourself. Now come on, don't tell me you have never known accusations personal. Hmm? Can you recognize where they're coming from? You don't have to wait till you see somebody in a red suit with a pitchfork to know it's the devil. It's not the Holy Ghost accusing you and try to run you down and make you feel like a heel and, and unworthy. Have you ever had accusations against yourself in your mind? Why, you sorry rascal, you this, you that, you pitiful excuse for a Christian. You did this, you did that, you did the other. Go to Romans 8. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit, but some people look like they need some help right now. (laughs) Romans 8. Hold your place there in in, uh, Job. Romans 8. I was saving this for later, but I think you need it right now. Romans 8, 31. What shall we then say to these things? If God be what? For us. What? For us. What? For us. Who? Can be against us. Tell me, is God for you? Or against you? Which one is he? Does he go back and forth? He never changes. If he was ever for you. He is for you. And will always be for you. Because he's not trying to figure it out. He knew who he wanted to be for before he was for them. Knew what they'd be, what they wouldn't be. And he made the right choice. And he has chosen to be for you. Somebody say, he's for me. Oh, come on. That's some of the best news you ever heard in your life. Say it out loud. God is for me. What does that mean? He's on your side. (laughs) He's on your side. He's not against you. He's for you. There is somebody that's against you. He's called the adversary. 
He is the opposer. He is the accuser. When somebody's accusing you, they're against you. You did this. You didn't do that. You should have done that. That's against you. Somebody say, I'm not like that. I'm not an accuser. Verse 32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Did you know you are God's elect? Who's going to make charges against you? He said, actually the words it is are in italics or added by the translator. Really the response is a question. Who's going to lay anything to the charge of God's elect? God that justifies? What's the answer? Well, it ain't him. He's not charging you. He's the one that justified you. God's not making charges against you. If he'd have wanted you charged, all he'd have had to do is nothing. He had to go to great lengths to justify you. Keep reading. Who is he that condemns? Christ that died? Rather that's risen again, who's at the right hand of God. What's he doing? Right now, making intercession for you. Well, he's not condemning you. He's interceding on your behalf. He's standing in the gap, representing you and me before the Father. Oh, glory to God. Glory to God. So the accuser, the one who is accusing and making, laying charges against and finding fault with, And making negative statements about. That's the devil. And when you hear people saying it. They're yielding to him. I said they're yielding. I don't care if you're saying it about yourself. You're yielding to the devil. And if you're saying it about other people. You're yielding to the devil. The Bible said let no corrupt communication. Proceed out of your mouth. But only that which is good. To the use of edifying. Building up. Not tearing down. Building up that it may minister grace yes. to the hearers. It's not hard to find fault. The devil's always ready to feed that to you. It takes faith to see past the rough flesh exterior and see the divine potential. <laughs> huh? To not be moved by what you see and what you hear. And if God says they're the righteousness of God in Christ, then they are. If God said they're his servant and he is well able to make them stand, then he is. And if he said that about you, you're going to go ahead and believe it about yourself as well. Friends, it's not okay. It is not humility. To let these accusations against yourself go around in your mind all the time and for you voice to voice them and degrade yourself and speak down about yourself and voice those accusations against yourself. That has got nothing to do with humility. It is you siding with your enemy against yourself. It's you siding against, against yourself with your enemy. Who's against you? Who's your accuser? The fault finder. We see him in action. With Job. God says he's a good man. He's upright. He hates evil. He loves me. He loves good. Listen to the tone. I want you to identify this spirit. Because you've heard it before. 
Well, I guess so. I mean, if you blessed me like that, I might love you too. You blessed everything he's got. You've put a guard around about him and his family. I mean, he's the richest man in the country. Why wouldn't he like you? But you just watch this. Times get a little hard. Something's not going right. I'm telling you. He'll raise up and curse you to your face. He will let you down. He will fail you. Have you ever heard this? Come on. Have you ever heard this? Huh? You've heard it out of people's mouths. You may have heard it out of your own. Friend, make up your mind never again. Make up your mind never. You are not going to let the devil talk through your mouth. In accusations against God, against yourself, against other people. Are you with me, friends? Make up your mind. You're not going to do that. So he did that. And uh, go with me to Job. The I'll have to back up to the uh, the first chapter. It said Satan went forth. And uh, Job's sons and daughters were together. And the verse 15, the Sabaeans came and took them away and, and they killed his servants and storm came and fell on the house and his kids died in it. And then in the second chapter, verse 7, I want you to see this in particular. Job 2, 7, what does it say? So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. Who did it? Tell me who did it. Who killed Job's kids? Who caused that storm? Now, friend, we need to get a revelation of this. You know, insurance companies, governments, Christian people call these storms that kill people and destroy their homes acts of God. Right? And yet it very plainly says the devil did it. Didn't it say the devil did it? The devil did it. He was behind He's the one that moved these outlaws and these thieves and killers to come and attack him. He was the one that influenced them to steal all of his stuff. He's the one that stirred up that storm. We need to differentiate. There are times when God calls a wind to blow or God has spoken out of a whirlwind. But when you see something coming through and killing people and destroying people, that's not God. The devil's in that. Jesus said, the thief comes not, but for to steal and to kill and destroy. I'm come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. If it's stealing, if it's killing, if it's destroying, you don't need a special revelation. It's the devil. It's him. Not your God. But Job didn't know that. In my reading about reading this book and reading about what happened and what happened afterwards, I cannot ascertain that Job would have known there was a devil. He certainly wasn't reading Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He wasn't reading Isaiah. He wasn't reading any of that. And we see he attributes all of this to God. 
Because it's for, well, who else is he going to attribute it to? I think he doesn't know that there is a devil. That the devil exists. So he attributes it all to God. And he gets upset. And he feels that it is unfair. That he has lived for God. And served God and loved God. And God would do this to him. And so the big question comes. Why? Why? Look at the third chapter. How many think this is relevant today? Oh. Chapter 3, after this, opened Job his mouth and he cursed his day. That doesn't mean he cussed, used foul language. Curse means he spoke evil of his day, the day he was born. His day. Job spoke and said, let the day perish wherein I was born and the night in which it was said, there's a man child conceived. Let that day be darkness. Let not God regard it from above. He says a lot more about it, but skip down to verse 11. And notice what keeps coming up. Why didn't I die from the womb? Why didn't I give up the ghost? Why when I came out of the belly? Why? Somebody say why. Why did the knees prevent me? Or why the breast that I should give suck? Why? Verse 20. Wherefore, another way of saying why, is light given to him that is in misery, and life unto the bitter in soul, that long for death, but it doesn't come. Verse 23, why is the light given to a man whose way is hid? Why? Why? So what's on his mind? Why? Why did this happen to me? Come on, put yourself in his place for a little bit. He... All his kids are dead. All his stuff is stolen and gone. I mean, he woke up that morning with an amazing family and a multi-billionaire. He went to bed that night with no kids and no money and no stuff. Lost it all in a day. And shortly after that, he lost his health. He's in pain. He's in agony. And he wants to know why. How many books have been written about this? Why do bad things happen to good people? And a lot of them are unlearned and unstable. And they wrestle with the scriptures and come up with some goofy ideas about God and life that are in complete contradiction to the actual scriptures. And as I began to learn more about God and about the Bible, that was my thought too. Yeah, why? Because if you read this, the very next thing, his three friends, you remember they showed up? And they did pretty good for a while. They just sat there and didn't say a word for days. And they felt for him and their heart went out to him. And then they started talking and telling him what they thought about why they thought this had happened. Oh, how many times this has happened in modern times. It's not necessary for you to tell people in their grief your theology. One of the biggest things people need to know when they're hurting and they're in grief, they just need to know that you're there 
and you care. You care. And so many times, even if you did know the answer, it's not the time nor the place. They're hurting. I'm sure we've all made mistakes in these areas. But let's grow up. Let's learn. His three friends did good. Just being there. He saw them. He knew they cared about him. And they just sat there in the dirt with him for days. And I know that doesn't seem like it helps, but it does help. I've had people with me before. They didn't do anything except show up. And when I saw their face, it helped me. It, it put strength in me. And all they did was reach over and put their hand on my shoulder. Didn't say anything. Didn't do anything. But it made me stronger. It helped me. It ministered to me. Because they brought faith with them. And they brought love with them. It's important. But it's just human nature to want to figure it out and want to be the one that comes up with the answer. And these are intelligent men and learned men. They're Job's friends. You know, they don't just talk about goofy stuff all the time. They are the wisest men in the whole country. And so all of them are thinking about this. And so they begin to try to explain to him why it happened. One after another, after another, some 40 chapters (laughs) of explaining. Because they would explain why it happened, and then Job would come back and tell them how why he thought that wasn't right. And then each side got stronger and stronger about it. And basically it was this, well, Job, you missed it somewhere, bud. You blew it because bad things happen for a reason. And he's saying, all my kids are dead. All my stuff is gone in the day. I'm sitting here, can't even sleep, can't even eat. For a reason? What reason? We don't know, but you must have missed it. And he said, I didn't miss it. They said, oh, yes, you did. He said, no, I didn't. They said, yes, you did. And they explained it to him for a chapter and a half. And he said, no, I didn't. And I'm going to tell you why. (laughs) Forty chapters. Somebody say 40 chapters. That's what this is. Yes, you did. No, I didn't. You had to. I didn't. You did. Uh -uh. (laughs) Look at the 13th chapter. (laughs) They're pretty well into it by the 13th chapter. (laughs) They actually got pretty rough. And so did he. Do you mind if I paraphrase some more? Now don't just take, take my phrases for this. There's 42 chapters here. We'd be here a long time. If we tried to cover it thoroughly. But go back and read it and see if this is not the spirit of what's going on here. They begin to get rough. They said, if you don't quit talking so sassy against God. This is the Keith Moore translation. (laughs) You think this is bad. Worse things are going to happen to you. And he told them, miserable comforters you are. (laughs) Didn't he say? If we were traded places, I wouldn't come preach condemnation to you like this. I'd try to help you and comfort you. But no. 
You came to comfort and you stayed to torment. And I just wish the whole bunch of you would go. You got to remember the man's grieving. He's lost all his kids. He's hurting. He's in pain physically. Think he's about to die any moment. And this is what he says. Job 13, 15. Because they told him, you know, that God would get him for what he was saying. And he said, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Everybody say good. Good. But it didn't stop there. He said, but I will maintain my own ways before him. Everybody say bad. First part was good. Last part was bad. So he is maintaining his righteousness before God. Let me just read some scriptures to you. Let's take a little time. Go to the 27th chapter. 27 and 1. Moreover, Job continued his parable and he said, As God lives... Who has taken away my judgment. And the Almighty has vexed my soul. All the while my breath is in me. And the Spirit of God is in my nostrils. My lips shall not speak wickedness. Nor my tongue utter deceit. God forbid that I should justify you. Till I die. I will not remove my integrity from me. My righteousness I hold fast. And I will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me so long as I live. His position is, I am righteous. I'm a righteous man. I have not done evil. I don't deserve this. None of this should have happened to me. God is wrong in letting this happen to me. He has perverted my judgment. And he has not judged rightly concerning me. I'm paraphrasing, but read it carefully and see if that's not what he said and what he did. And his three friends, they got all the more vehement and go, now we know you wicked. Talking like that? (laughs) And they begin to imagine stuff. You must have done this and you probably did that. Now let's just stop right here. What does that sound like? What does that sound like? We just talked accuser of the brethren. I think these men were truly his friends and they truly truly cared about him. And when they first came and sat down in the dirt with him, they were crying with him. Their heart went out to him. Now, a while later, the devil is talking through them to torment their friend. I know they did not mean to come there and do that. But that's what they're doing. And I dare say all of us have missed it in this area. But let's make up our mind. No more. No more. I am not going to be the devil's mouthpiece. He is not going to accuse people through me. Come on, say it out loud. I am not the devil's mouthpiece. He is not going to accuse people through me. Now you'll have to be diligent for it not to happen. They meant well, but they wound up doing it. They're accusing him. You must have done this. You probably did that. One of them said, I think 
that your punishment is not what you deserve. I think you deserve worse. Yeah. You got to watch. You get mad. You get upset. You just start saying stuff. You're not thinking. Where's that coming from? Where's that coming from? People, it's like people are inspired. They remember everything and they, every bad thing and everything, everybody. It's a supernatural recall. It's like they're inspired. They are. But it ain't God. This went back and forth. Somebody say back and forth. I need to give you some more. Job 19, just turn back. Job 19 and 6. Job said this. He said, I want you to know that God has overthrown me. And he compassed me with his net. Is that true? Tell me, who did it? Who sent the storm? As far as I could tell, he would have no clue that there is a devil. So who else could it be? Does this apply to us? Maybe we know there's a devil, but you suppose there's some things we don't know either. Could you be in the same place as Job? Certainly you can. You have been and you will be again. What does that mean? You know a few things, but there's a whole lot of things you're not even aware of. But because of him being ignorant of this, he comes to a wrong conclusion. And that is that God is his problem. And God is against him. And God is not doing right by him. Keep reading. He said, behold, I cry out of wrong and I'm not heard. I cry aloud, but there is no judgment. He's fenced up my way that I cannot pass. He set darkness in my path. Did God set darkness in his path? He stripped me of my glory. He took the crown from my head. He has destroyed me on every side and I'm gone. My hope he's removed like a tree. Is this true? Has God done this to him? Come on. It's not true. God did not kill his babies. God did not steal his stuff. God did not make him sick. The Bible says it as plain as it can say it. Satan went forth and smote Job. But he's, he's upset with God. And he's saying this is not right. How many people do you think are in the world that have some of this mentality tonight? Hmm? How many? God didn't do this. Or he did this. It's not right. I've seen people. I've heard people scream at God. It's not right. It's not right. If there is a God. I've seen people just get a look on their face and grit their teeth and go, well, if that's the way God is, I don't want anything to do with him. I'll never darken a church door. And they didn't. But it is their loss. Because God was not their problem. Is not their problem. Never will be their problem. Look at another one. I'm getting more insight into Job is summed it up in 34, 5. Job 34, 5. Job said this. And of course you can see chapter 34, there's been a lot of wrangling from chapter 3 all the way to here. 30 plus chapters of back and forth by now. And he summed it up. He said, I am righteous and God has taken away my judgment. <laughs> 
Here's a man that knew God. Much as somebody could know him in that day. And loved God. And loved what was right. And stood up for what was good and right. God himself said. Didn't he? God testified about the man. And said he is a good man. He's a man of integrity. He's a perfect and an upright and a just man. Now this ain't this ain't your kin folks bragging on you. This is God talking. The almighty. From the throne. So Job was a good man. The best. But he's off now. Even the best people can get off. Hold that place and go to Romans, the third chapter. Let me ask you a question. Is God unfair? Hmm? Is God uncaring? Is he absent when he ought to be there? He lets stuff happen he ought not let happen. He does things he ought not do. He fails to do things he should have done. Or is Job wrong? Is Job confused? Job's ignorant about some stuff. In the third chapter of Romans. Romans 3, 3. Romans 3, 3 says, For what if some did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without effect? Verse 4. God forbid. We might say, no way. Yea, let God be true. Let God be true. But every man a liar. Now what does that mean? You know, I've heard people grab phrases like that and say, see the Bible said every man's a liar. No, it didn't. (laughs) That's people that's unlearned and unstable wrestling with the scriptures. You got to keep it in context with what he's saying. As it is written that you might be justified in your sayings and you might overcome when you are judged. Look at Young's literal translation. Do y'all have that one back there? The, yeah, there it is. Back up to the third verse. What if certain were faithless? Shall their faithlessness, the faithfulness of God make useless? Just because some people are unbelieving and unfaithful, that doesn't make God unfaithful. Just because they decide God's wrong and God's not fair and God's not good doesn't change the fact that God is fair and He is good and He is faithful. Glory to God. Don't you like this verse? And verse 4, what does it say? Let it not be. Let God become true and every man false. What does that mean, every man? Everybody that ever accused him. Keep reading. According as it has been written that you, who God, may be declared righteous in your words and may overcome in you being judged. Who being judged? God. Who would judge God? Job is judging God. He's judging him unfair. He's judging him unfaithful. Millions are doing it on the planet right now. They're saying this ain't right. How could a God of love 
do this. How could a God of goodness and righteousness let something like this happen? And they are accusing God. Come on, where's that accusing come from? Come on, are you recognizing the spirit of this? Why in the world would a human being whose every breath and heartbeat depends on the Creator look up and say such things to the source of life? That's because you're letting the accuser talk through you and influence you. I trust you feel the same way, but I never want one word of the devil coming through my mouth accusing my God. My mouth was made to proclaim his goodness. My mouth was made to praise him and thank him and worship him to proclaim his perfection, his righteousness, his justice, his goodness. He said, let God be true, every man false, as it is written, that you may be declared righteous in your words. You may overcome in your being judged. Go back with me to Job. Let's look at the summary of this. Job 32. Job 32. Now, if you... Don't want to take time to read all 42 chapters. And you're the kind of person who likes to cut to the end. See real quick. (laughs) Chapter 32. And then you can jump to the last couple of chapters. Like 40 through 42. And you'll really get the summary. The wrap up of it. There's a young man by the name of Elihu. Was not one of Job's three friends that came. He was a young man. And he came and he listened to all these 40 chapters worth of back and forth. And he just stood there and kept his mouth shut. But the Spirit of God came on him. He said he felt like a wineskin about to explode. And he had to say something. (laughs) And it wasn't just his flesh getting riled up. The Spirit of God really was speaking to him. If you look at the text, you'll see that where he left off, God decided that wasn't good enough. He wasn't going to just speak through somebody. He said, stand out of the way, Elihu. And he spoke himself. I'm going to handle this personally. (laughs) But what he said was in line with what he'd been saying through Elihu. And when he, uh, when God told Job about praying that his friends were wrong, he didn't include this man. It was the other ones he were praying for that had to repent. 32, are you there? I know this may be a little different than what you've heard it before, but don't take my word for it. Get, put your nose in here. Hmm? Find out. Verse 1. So these three men ceased to answer Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. They finally quit trying to correct him. Let, let me just stop right here. We talked about They came to comfort and stayed to torment and accuse. You don't want to do that, right? And a lot of times when people are hurting, it is not the time for theological discussions. Even if the issue, the problem, the why, and the answer is obvious, glaringly obvious, that doesn't mean it's time for you to bring it up. 
or say anything about it. I know a minister acquaintance of mine. I didn't know him very well. But uh, he, he and his wife were used wonderfully in the ministry for many years. And she had some physical issues that she just wasn't, didn't overcome and died prematurely. And I saw him at a restaurant and spoke to him and his wife had just gone home to be with the Lord not, not too long, too many weeks or so before that. And I sat down with him and talked just a minute and and he looked at me and he said, you know, some of the, some Bible school students had come by to see him. And they said, well, she just didn't have enough faith. And tears came up in his eyes. He said, that didn't bless me, Brother Keith. I said, I'm sorry. That was inappropriate. And uh, I tried to talk about some other things, but it annoyed me. I knew these young guys just young whippersnappers that thought they had learned a thing or two. And what if it was? What if it was that her faith was insufficient? What's that to them? And who are they to come correct an elder? What have they done in the ministry? You know, they hadn't lived to that age and overcome. They ain't done it yet. Are y'all listening to me, friend? Well, if they'd had faith, they'd do this or that. Uh, Let's see you do it. Do it. Then we'll know you know what you're talking about. Anybody can have a theory and a belief. The scripture says, don't let him uh, that's putting on his belt boast like him that's taking it off. (laughs) Talking about your belt with your weapons on that you're going to war. What does that mean? When you're putting on your belt, you haven't done it yet. When you're taking it off, it's because you did it. Don't be telling us about how to believe for healing and how to believe for money. And What have you done? Even if it's true, even if it's the will of God, even if it's right, even if it belongs to us and it's available to us, until you have walked through it and done it and received it and overcome, it's just theory and talk. And so, don't... Pipe up and share what you think or what you think you know at the wrong time, uh, even if it's right, even if you know what you're talking about. It doesn't mean it's the right time and place, nor does it mean you are the one. Did you hear me? There have been some things I've been with folks before and I felt very strongly about. And I, I could have told you 30 scriptures about it, but they're my elder. And it is not my place. Are you with me? The Lord has other people besides me. He can use. And these people hear from God. Sometimes you just need to be quiet and go pray. Lord, whatever they need to see, you know, reveal that to them. Show them. And then while you're doing that, go ahead and pray for yourself and say, whatever I need to see. (laughs) Help me to see. (laughs) Two. (laughs) Whew. Keep reading. Verse 2. Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barakel, the Buzite of the kindred of Ram. And what is happening is this is the Lord expressing this through him. Because you see the same thing when he starts speaking through the whirlwind. It sounds exactly the same. Against Job was his wrath kindled. Let's just stop right here. 
Who was right is what's going on right now. Who was right? Job or his three friends? Why do bad things happen to good people? Who was right? It's answered right here. Against Job was his wrath kindled, so Job was wrong, because he justified himself rather than God. Well, that's wrong. I don't care who, I don't care how good of a man you are. You don't tell God he's wrong. <laughs> huh? I don't care how much you're hurting. That can't be right. Hmm? <laughs> but, ain't no way that God missed it. With you. Right? No way that God was, that God failed you. That he wasn't there for you. Hmm? That he mistreated you. No way. No way. Let God be true. Let him be right. And everybody that don't think so. Liars. So Job was wrong. Verse 3. Also against his three friends. Was his wrath kindled. Well they're wrong too. So who was right? Neither one of them. Because they had found no answer. And yet what? They had condemned Job. He asked them one time. Well tell me what I did wrong. And they just went on theorizing. And quoting scriptures. And He said well tell me. They couldn't. So they're wrong. It's always wrong to condemn somebody. Accuse them. Find fault. You don't, you don't have the answer yourself. In chapter 40, God himself spoke. This doesn't happen every day. I said, this doesn't happen every day. God himself. So stand aside, Eli, I'm going to finish this. Eli, he. He said, chapter 40, shall he that contends with the Almighty instruct him? He that reproves God, let him answer it. I heard somebody saying they want to talk to me. And they wish they could have a face to face with me. Because they would ask me. Why did this happen? Why did you let this happen? Why did you do Oh Well here I am. Who wants to know? Job answered to the Lord. Behold I am vile. <laughs> what shall I answer you? Now, come on, he had part of that previous 40 chapters of ideas and things he thought he might say. There's a book. And yet he don't want to quote any of it to the Lord right now. He does not want to ask him one of them questions. He said, I am vile. What Shall I say to you, I will lay, I'm going to lay my hand on my mouth right now. Cause I have spoken, uh, yea, twice, but no more. Here we go. Cause he had seen that I don't know what I'm talking about. I have opened my mouth and I, sh- I shouldn't have said those things. So God kept going. Well, verse seven, he said, gird up your loins now like a man. I'm going to ask you some things and I want you to tell me. 
Will you disannul my judgment? Will you condemn me that you may be righteous? Do you have an arm like God? Can you thunder with a voice like him? Deck yourself with majesty and excellency. Array yourself with glory and beauty. Cast the rage of your wrath. Let's see it. Verse 14. And then I'll confess that your own hand can save you. Then he asked him some questions. Do you know how this works? He's going, "Uh uh-uh. Were you here when I did this? Uh Uh-uh. Do you know where the wind came from? No. You know where the, the, where the issues of the ocean come from? No. Do you know how the light works? No. Do you know why the animals do this? Uh Uh-uh. He, he had to say no about a hundred times. No. No, I don't know. I don't have a clue how you did that. I always wondered. No. 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 Come on. Why is he asking him all these questions? He's not trying to overpower him or scare him. He's responding to his accusations. He has accused God of being unfair and unjust and perverting judgment. And what the Lord is saying, you can't answer this. How are you going to question me about that? You don't know the ABCs. How are you going to understand? How many remember Romans says his judgments are past finding out? What does that mean? He knows things. He sees things in ways we'll never see in this life. So chapter 42. Job answered the Lord. He said, I know that you can do everything. And no thought can be withholding from you. Who is he that hides counsel without knowledge? He's quoting God. He said, therefore have I. It was me. I uttered things I didn't understand and things that were too wonderful for me that I didn't know. Here I beseech you and I'll speak. I'll demand of you and declare thou to me. I've heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eye has seen you. He saw his form in the whirlwind, I guess. Wherefore I abhor myself and I repent in dust and ashes. What's he repenting over? The things he said about God being unfair. And unjust. And he prayed for his friends as well. And Job, verse 10, the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as what he had before. How many know the story ends well? Including, he gave him a bunch of children too. After that, somebody say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I, uh, have you got just a few more minutes? For years I read that book. And I even wrote up at the top of the, the, the title, Why? Why did these bad things happen to Job? Why? And that's the age old question that people ask over and over. Why? Why did this happen to me? Why didn't this happen? Why? And did you know, after all this, And God speaking through Elihu. And God himself showing up and speaking. He didn't tell them. What? He asked them a lot of questions. You reckon he could have told him why? Could he have said something? Why did he choose to do it this way? Because the question is not really why. People think it is. 
but it's not. Years I read this and pondered it. Asked the Lord, prayed about it. And thank God. Finally, I saw there in that 32nd chapter, the revelation that came through Elihu and, and how it flowed. And I began to see, it's not, that's not the question. The question is not why things happen or why things don't or why God did or why God didn't. The question is what you do when you don't know why. Come on, are y'all with me, friends? It's not God who's being tested here. It's not God who's on trial to see whether he's going to pass or whether he's going to fail. It's us. Whether we're going to believe or we're going to doubt. Whether we're going to be faithful and trust him or whether we're going to accuse him and doubt him. Come on, are you listening, friends? There will always be situations in life that you don't understand. Don't care who you are. Don't care how long you walk with the Lord. Don't care what you think you know or what you don't. There are going to be situations where you're going to scratch your head. And there will be situations where it will be painful. And you'll hurt. And you'll be tempted to go, why? Let me tell you how to get through the worst times that you could possibly experience in life. You look up. Through your tears. You look up through your pain. Are y'all with me friends? And you say Lord. I don't know why. But I know this. Come on do y'all know the rest of this. I know this. You. Are faithful. You. Are just. You have never failed me. And you never will. You are not against me. You are for me. You're on my side. You love me. You're good to me. I don't know why, but I know this. You haven't failed me. And I'm going to hold on to you. (laughs) What Job said about though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That was good. That was good. You can use that part. Cling to him like somebody holding on to their daddy's pant leg. You grab on and say, Lord, no matter what, I'm with you. I'm going nowhere. And I know you, I'll see it clearly at some point, even though I, I can't figure it now. I know this, it's not your fault. And you're not my problem. You're my answer. And I'm holding on to you. And friend, that man, that woman will come out. They will overcome. Come on now, they will not be destroyed. They will not go under. Because they are, like Sarah of old, they are counting God faithful. They are judging God, but they're not judging Him unrighteous, unfair. They're judging God faithful. Now there is a thing that makes our situation quite a bit different from Job's situation. Uh, Job 9 And 32, Job had this revelation. There's a lot of things he didn't know, but he did have this revelation. And he spoke uh, prophetically about this. Job 9, 32. He said, he to my God is not a man as I am, that I should answer him and we should come together in judgment. Verse 33. Neither... Is there any daysman betwixt us that might lay his hand on us both? 
What's he prophesying about? Huh? He said, I need somebody. I'm a man. He's God. He's the Father. Unapproachable light. I don't even know how to talk to him. Can he even relate to me? My weakness and my ignorance, what it is to be like me? I need somebody that understands me and understands him. That could put his hand on him and put his hand on me. Oh, how could he know this? It's the Spirit of God. Spirit of God. Do you see this? Look in the 16th, well, just put it up 1621. He said it again in 1621. Oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleads for his neighbor. What's he talking about? An intercessor. An intercessor. Oh, go to 1 John 2. Go to 1 John 2. Because we're not in Job's situation. We are not on our own. Ignorant that there's even a devil. Looking and pleading for somebody that would fill the gap for us. Between us and God. And speak up for us. We're not in that case. We know who the enemy of our soul is. And it's not the almighty God. We know who the killer and destroyer and thief is. And it's not our father. It's the devil. It's the destroyer. It's the accuser of the brethren. And we are not alone. I said we are not alone. 1 John 2 verse 1. Are you there? 1 John 2. What does it say? My little children. These things are right unto you that you sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate. That's like your defense attorney. (laughs) How many know that your defense attorney is your lawyer? He's on your side. Somebody say, I have an advocate. I have an advocate. You're not like Job. In darkness, ignorance, not even knowing who's your problem and wishing you had some help. You know who your problem is and you got help. Oh, you got help. You got the one who has passed into the heavens and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Come on now, the man, Christ Jesus. Does he know what it's like to be a man? He certainly does. He's tempted in all points, just like us. Yet without sin. Does he know what it's like to be God? He is God. Was God, is God, always will be God. In the beginning he was. And is. And yet he is there representing you and me. (laughs) Pleading our case. Put it back up. You have an advocate. Somebody say, I have an advocate. You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Somebody say, I have an advocate. 
Man, I could, I could start afresh and just go with a, a new sermon right now <laughs> for the next, for another hour or so. But don't know that we should do that, but let me give it to you in a couple of phrases. <laughs> Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 4, Hebrews 10 include verses that talk about Jesus being the apostle and high priest of our confession. Sometimes it says profession, but it's the same Greek word for confession. What does that mean? He said, by your words, you'll be condemned. By your words, you'll be justified. He, I mean, think about this. What does a lawyer work with? He works with testimony. Doesn't he? And evidence. What does your advocate work with? Oh, you need to see that. Go to Revelation. Go to Revelation. Revelation 12 and 9. And the great dragon was cast out. Somebody say, glory to God. <laughs> he's, he's getting the boot. That old serpent called the devil and Satan. Is he the problem? He's the problem, which deceives the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him. Oh, hallelujah. They overcame him by the blood of their advocate. This is the evidence that carries the greatest weight in the high court of heaven. It is the blood on the mercy seat that speaks better things. Cain killed his brother. He said, your brother Abel's blood's calling to me from the ground. Your blood is talking to me. His blood. What was Abel's blood saying? I was innocent. This is not fair. It's calling for justice. His brother's guilty. It was saying he's guilty. The blood of the lamb is saying something else. (laughs) It's not saying he's guilty. Oh, come on now. What, what is the blood of the Lamb saying? It's saying, innocent, innocent, clean, righteous, made holy. It's saying that about you and me and everybody that has faith in the Lamb and has faith in the blood of the Lamb. But that's not all. It takes that and it takes something else. They overcame him. By the blood of the Lamb. That's the evidence. And what else? And by the word of their testimony. Does what you say make any difference? Oh, see, Job didn't know this. He didn't even know the devil was his problem. And he said, the thing I have greatly feared has come on me. Was he talking some fear? Was he saying some stuff? Yeah, and didn't know any, didn't see it, didn't understand it. 
and his fears and what he was afraid of and what he was talking came on him. The devil did it to him. You and I should be saying something else. You and I should be saying, even when the accuser comes, you've done this, you messed up here, you failed here, you're such a bad person, you've done this. If you have repented and he has forgiven you and cleansed you from all unrighteousness, then you need to be only saying, I'm innocent. I'm clean by the blood of the Lamb and deserve no punishment. Yeah, but you deserve, you deserve to be sick. You deserve to be broke. You need to shake your head and go, no, no, I'm clean. I'm innocent. And I'm healed by Jesus' stripes. And all of my needs are met. Oh, come on. Can you see this? And if you will get this in your mouth and put faith in Him, your advocate is standing up for you. Come on now. Using your testimony, using the blood to bring your defense. And to shut up the accuser against you. And to close the door to prevent you being judged. You say, no, I'm not supposed to be judged. Jesus was judged in my place. No, I'm not supposed to be sick. He took my sicknesses. No, I'm not supposed to be punished. He took my punishment. I plead innocent. I plead healed. I plead free. I plead blessed. And your advocate stands up and says, yes, I was there. That's my blood. These are my stripes. His word is right. And your father wraps the gavel and says, case closed. (laughs) The devil has no access to them. He has no right. We have an advocate. We have words to put in our mouth that are truth. To speak over ourselves and our family. Aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Stand up on your feet and lift up your hands. To your advocate. To your intercessor. To the master. Thank you Lord. Lift up your hands. Oh Father. Thank you for Jesus. Oh thank you. Thank you that we have light to know. You're not our problem. Thank you, Lord. No matter what happens or doesn't happen, we trust you. We trust you. We know there's so much we don't know. So much we don't understand. You're righteous. You're right about everything. Somebody say, I trust you. Say it again, I trust you. Oh, say it again, I trust you. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.